0: Saturday Night South podcast. He is Chris Marlar. I am Connor O'Gara. I am hungover from LSU Texas AM. Oh huh. my gosh, I'm just seven hungover. overtimes. You're just hungover. Period. Uh, no loud noises. No loud noises. Uh, we all got really drunk and decided that seven <laughs> overtimes was going to be a great idea. It Go was home, not. ACC
1: football. That's. You're, I mean, it hammered. was a nice way for them to not. In the, they did this. I didn't want the regular season to end. They didn't want the regular season to end, obviously as well. Coach O definitely didn't want the regular season to end, and that's
0: that's the only explanation I can give. That game was on fireball. It, it was on fireball. We're we're gonna talk um, to Coach O very very shortly here, um, oh, yeah. but. And we got to tell you about the weekend that you had uh, in Tuscaloosa. You are still there. You're recording from there right now. Of course, we're going to talk Iron Bowl. We're going to talk about all, everything. Rivalry week in the SEC. We're going to tie a bow on some on a few things um, across oh, you the conference. Oh, tie I, like, I will yeah. not be doing tie today. Yeah, no. We're neither of us are in that mood. I am not actually hungover. Um, nah, no, that was a bit for all you kids out there. Um, but. LSU Texas A&M was the game of the year in the SEC, um, just maddening for LSU fans on so many different levels. Cocho gets the Gatorade bath at the end of regulation. Kellen Mond then apparently need when you know he botched. There was a botched snap and there was a kneel down that they didn't call on Grant Elpett's interception, so it extends the game and he makes a play at the end of regulation to extend it into overtime. Little do we know that there were going to be seven over time. So many different games when you thought LSU has this game won. Uh, the Jay Sternberger fumble that wasn't, that should have been reviewed, that's inexplicably wasn't. The um, third
1: down or the fourth down and fourteen, where the guy whoever caught the pass was clearly
0: where he was short of the yellow line. They they had that wrong wrong though. Um, that was actually that was the one thing that was overturned. They had it wrong okay. because the marker was wrong on TV and they had actually shown the spot. So they yeah. they cleared that up. But there were several instances, especially the pass interference at the end, uh, that I think oh was yeah it was on Greedy Williams. Then he gets the yeah. sportsman like there were so many different games where if you're an adding a second. Can, I don't. I don't. Yeah, adding a second after they had spiked the ball, um, and, and that was Coach O's biggest, biggest, you know, frustration yeah. from this game was that 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 shouldn't have happened. You you shouldn't be allowed to have that many seconds to be able to to, to hike the ball. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm not trying to take away from anything AM did, anything else you did. For those two teams to still be standing on their own two feet at the end of that game was unbelievable yeah. because everybody at home was sitting there, eyes weary, just like trying to stay awake watching that game. But I thought that. On a variety of levels, that was the game of the year, and we could not have asked for a better way to close out the SEC regular season. What were what were just your overall thoughts, just kind of like reliving the way that that game played out?
1: I mean, it was sad. It was sad for me to watch. I thought this game was taken from a And from LSU, and it, it, was, absolutely it was a great was. game. It was a great game, and it's one of those things that like, when we look back on this years from now. Everyone but LSU fans will be like, Oh my gosh, like that game was incredible and like you were seven overtimes and it'll go down in one of those things, like in like in that's on SEC replays, like on the SEC network for years yep. and years and years to come. And it'll be it'll be, you know, in like an almanac of how like the longest game ever played and all that kind of stuff. But what I will take away from it and what LSU fans will, will take away from it, and no one else probably will, is that game was stolen from LSU. And I and I'm not I'm not gonna mince my words with this one because I I think that's exactly what happened, and I know that LSU fans have had a gripe with a lot of SEC officiating all season, but this game was flat out taken from them at every single it, it turn. Was. It, it, it was. was and it was it's unfair when you put it into like a situation. And what really I'm gonna get heated on this one. What really pissed me off about this is I love Coach O to death. I love his team and how they've overcome so much throughout the year. But going back and like and watching like the, the replays even this morning, it was horrifying for me if i was a fan there's there i'm so i'm still i'm still in tuscaloosa at this at this very nice (laughs) house that rent like a champion hooked up with there would be so many holes in i don't know about these walls but there would be some holes in my walls there would be some some noise complaints i mean it's it's just the whole thing like and and it kept going on it was a marathon of
0: of just corruption (laughs) it was like it was terrible it ends up being the most points ever in an SEC game, most points ever in an FBS game, and tied for the longest FBS game ever. Of course, a and fans are ecstatic about the fact that the streak against LSU is over. They finally have that win against the Tigers. Jimbo Fisher gets that in year one. But so many different takeaway points for this game and Calmon made some huge yeah. huge throws. Kendrick Rogers was unbelievable in overtime and the catch that he made where the ball was tipped up oh, man. and they saw pass interference on that. One of the plays of the year in college football as far as I'm concerned. And Joe Burrow, the same thing. I mean, you can't say you enough good. about that performance. Game of the year for him and I for 100 both- yards. Yeah, he had like, what, 29 <laughs> rushes in this game? 29 carries for 100 yards. Oh, my gosh. And, and still had legs at the end of it. It was one of those games that you were you're happy that both sides uh, are going to get at least a month to recover yeah. from this one because they're going to need it. If they had to play a game next week, this would not go well at all. If but, Zach
1: Mettenberger was a quarterback for LSU at the end of this game, he would have immediately transferred not to the NFL, but to like wheelchair basketball. His legs would okay. not have be been able to make it to this game.
0: Yeah, so like I said, credit to both of these teams for being able to withstand all of the, the highs and lows of this game. It was a marathon game that you just kinda thought was never gonna end. But, you know, the the frustrating thing for LSU is that, you know, some people I, I this this I thought was the worst take from this. Some people threw this out there saying like, Oh, this was a meaningless game because neither of these teams are playing for a division title, playing for a playoff. Just, no. That's a load of crap. That's a load of crap. Coach o was Flat out upset that his team was not able to get a tenth win in the regular season because there are bonus implications of that. There are long term implications of that. That
1: has nothing to do with the bonus implications of it. It had the long term implications of what yeah. you said. And then, and then what, what bothers me, and it, and it, and I, I would argue for this team specifically, for LSU specifically, this game meant more than than almost any other game. That like in the not in the country necessarily like for like a rivalry, but in the SEC. For what they had to overcome at the beginning of this season, in the preseason stuff, and all the hype and the in the hot seat, this game meant more to Coach O than arguably almost any game that we we saw in the SEC this weekend. Besides maybe Vandy, like obviously I know the Iron Bowl means a lot, but I'm saying this game,
0: it did mean a lot. It was, and it was like it, it, even if you just watched regulation in this game, I mean, it was awesome. The way that, yeah. you know, the way that both of these teams respond. Devin White had the the had the the fumble that he forced on Travion Williams that was returned for a scoop and score that really turned this game around. Yeah, and it made it one of those where you, you just you found yourself thinking, man, this LSU team just overcomes so much, so much, so much, and then they just can't get a call their way yeah. down the stretch. I'm never that guy who likes to sit here and blame officials. I know And oh. there are a And M fans watching that who are like, yeah, man, this is. This this was rough. If you're a conspiracy theorist, James Car- Carvel's watching this game like <laughs> just punching. He was probably punching every hole in his wall. I don't Those doubt weak, that. Weak,
1: feeble arms of his. Just I, I can't imagine having to deal with that.
0: But yeah, and I mean that just we're gonna get to some. We'll get to some more of the extracurriculars later on. Um, yeah. Something that happened after the game that uh, the oh. league office is probably gonna take a look at, and I'm sure both athletic departments will this be taking trash. a look at. But um, this this game ends up you know living up to anything that we could have hoped for and go figure LSU actually covered in this game. Uh, yeah, Oddly Uncle enough, Chris had himself a day. Did you? We'll get we'll get, to yeah. Uncle, we'll get to Uncle Chris a little bit later. But first, I want to hear about Uncle Chris's weekend in T town. You were at well, the Iron Bowl. You're we still. We t- talk about. Oh oh. Talk,
1: whoa yeah. I, don't, I mean I do You can't. I. We just talked sorry, about how much I meant to sorry. him. And now we can't. We're gonna already disrespect my man. All right, let me let me um, back up. Let
0: me back up. I will I will set the stage for you because you've yeah. accused me many times of not setting the stage properly, and that's that's a, that's fair. Whatever. I'm not above criticism. Cocho gets the Gatorade bath at the end of regulation, and the poor guy is sitting there for seven overtimes, sicky. He's wet. That dry fit yeah. wasn't working too well. He was wet the entire overtime period, and there were like three different instances where he sprinted down the sideline all the way to the end zone to call a timeout, showing that he was fast, showing that, that maybe the Gatorade had some it sort no. of like osmosis factor on him and it just infused into his body. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase that, but Coach O had, had himself a night, and we have Coach with us right now, and I want to hear from the man in <clears> the legend after what had to be just the most heartbreaking loss of his LSU tenure
1: yeah all right so he's here in Tuscaloosa with me it's a shorter trip
0: come on in coach he just went straight there he did not sleep I mean he doesn't sleep we know that how you doing come I I want to hear how you're doing coach I really
2: don't uh. in the cry of the tiger in the thrill of the fight (laughs) flies up to the talent of a fish, oh. God, it was not good last night. Last night. Now, have you ever go to a restaurant? Have your a nice steak dinner, right? So when I go out, I get a, a ribeye, right? I get three of them. Make a sandwich out of ribeye. Ribeye bread, ribeye the meat. Okay. <laughs> Call it tribeye, okay? Anyway, uh, you ever have a night meal, you want to end it with night dessert. They were like, if the dessert were well, literally, the dirt, it was made of dirt, okay? Now, I go out there, Del Pitt made interception, got them on. on the ground, okay? I ain't that fond of Calamon right now. So, he made the interception. SEC official, James Carville might be right. They have to get us. I get a Gatorade bath. Connor, if you have a Gatorade bath that lasts more than four hours, you want to call the doctor. That's what they say. <laughs> I'm running around on the sideline whole night, like like a dang jolly rancher. Sticky, wet, terrible, terrible. I I mean, only some what I can do, only some what the team can do. I mean, I, we I, we won the game. They add a second back on the clock. It taken away. There's not much else I can say. I still sticky, still wet, still salty. I'm like a Sour Patch kid. That's, that's all I'm going to say. It's been a fun season. Me and Uncle Chris. We're going to have some brunch. I'm going to comb my hair. I might take a shower. We had a night nice play over here, rent, a, rent like a champion. I just wish the officials would officiate like a champion. Kyle, you have a good day.
0: That was from the heart, Coach. I appreciate you opening up with us. I know you're frustrated. I know you have not slept a wink because you had to drive all the way to Tuscaloosa to be He's, with us today. yeah.
1: Where we I mean, I think the biggest disappointment that he's gonna have is when I tell him that we're
0: going to Whataburger for for brunch. It's it's one of those mornings though. It's one of those <laughs> mornings for him. I, <laughs> yeah. I I think it's a that tough one. That
2: is just
1: I felt I felt so bad for gojo That was just that's not how that season should have ended for him. No, it's not. He'll he get
0: to play in a bowl game, but they're gonna miss a New Year's six game as a result, or at least that's that's what we think. Um uh, we'll, I we'll wait win? and see on that. Iowa did not win, but Iowa was not, or Iowa did win, but Iowa was not looking for a New Year's Six bid.
1: I don't think they are either. I'm just saying, are they going to get matched up with Iowa again in the, in the oh, Capital One like, Bowl? Yeah, or in the Alpac, but Yeah,
0: whatever it yeah. is. Um, you are in Tuscaloosa. You yeah. stayed with our friends at Rent Like a Champion. Why don't you tell us about uh, how they hooked you up this weekend? So,
1: our friends at Rent Like a Champion, we talked about this before, they hooked us up in Oxford when we went to the Ole Miss-Alabama uh, game. They hooked us up again for the Iron Bowl. Uh, we had we had a, we had a packed house over here, right? Hotels can be tricky. They're expensive. We, you know how I feel about a Knights Inn. You know how I feel about Shreveport. Two or one and the same, y'all. They're both gross. You don't want to be there at either of them. You definitely don't want to be stuck there. Whew, man. Anyway, if you if you if you're last in a Knights Inn or a Shreveport for more than four hours, also want to call a doctor. I'll tell you that <laughs> Coach O was right about that. So we had a <laughs> packed house. We had a uh, we had the fiance coming for, for a first Iron Bowl. We had a camera crew because we were doing some filming for for Bud Light and all this kind of stuff. And we were going to be going to T town. We needed a reliable place to stay, and thank God our friends at Rent Like a Champion hooked us up. Uh, we got a nice three-bedroom house. We're right off 15th Street. If you've been to Tuscaloosa, you know exactly where it's at. Right in the thick of things, and only a mile and a half from campus. We're talking about three bedrooms, cable TV, uh, a fridge full of treats for us when we got here, coffee. Ooh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was. I mean, and it, it, here's the thing. Riding in here, that was honestly that honestly might have been the best part. We had this giant king-sized bed. It was fantastic. It was like a perfect perfect firmness for me, okay? And I know we've talked a lot about the, the 4 hour thing, the doctoring said might be too much right now, but it was a it was a perfect firm bed for me, okay? <laughs> Slept like a baby. Um, it was I mean, it was, I took a bath. There was I mean, it was, it was I did everything I wanted to do like on a spa weekend here at this house in Tuscaloosa, a mile and a half away from campus. Don't don't even don't even question the bath. Um, um.
0: I don't know how I can question anything you do at this point, but I was going it was just,
1: to. It was, it was so nice. We're driving in, and it took forever because there was traffic and all this other stuff, and you're getting off McFarland, and, and it just, you know, it's the Iron Bowl weekend, so there's a lot of people. The last thing I wanted to do was have to go check in, then have to go into some cold, very thin carpeted floor, and stay in some terrible, terrible hotel. No, hardwood floors all around. There was a nice fridge, stocked full of beer, stocked full of snacks for us, coffee for hey. in the morning. You know it's better than a continental breakfast. Eggs and beer. Just saying. I'm just saying it was it was it was fantastic. So, make sure you hit us up or hit our friends up at Rent like a Champion. Uh go to rentlikeachampion.com. We seriously cannot recommend this enough. Don't deal with outrageous hotel prices. uh stay in a one bedroom hotel it's like 15 miles from the stadium, mile and a half from the stadium. Rent like a Champion is going to take care of your entire party. You're going to wonder how you ever stayed in a hotel room again. All you got to do is go to rentlikechampion.com, see what properties they have available near your next game. So there you go. Now let's talk about the fun
0: stuff too. Yeah, so second straight week that Bama goes into the locker room and I'm just going to – I don't want to put words in Nick Saban's mouth, but I'm just going to assume that he had a little little extra juice in his voice. Uh, Bama's only up by three at halftime, and I'm sure – I asked you at halftime, I'm like, hey, are you allowed to burn <laughs> sage, sage? rage. Can can you burn sage at the stadium? Like, what what's the policy on that? But you didn't need to. Bama ends up rolling in this game, fourth points ever in an Iron Bowl, and Gus resorted to fake field goals that were passed. So what did I say?
1: What did I say? And now now I will tell you this. And I I I've, Uncle Chris had a little bit of a lull in his picks, maybe in the middle of the season. I don't know. I've been on fire and on point with my you, analysis. You Better Auburn and prediction. in this game though. No,
0: I didn't. You, you, you hedged last week didn't you? No no oh, okay. I said 24
1: I, 24 and a half a lot I, I, said, I said I said how do they score 10 points 38 10 all right all right check it, it out enough. you check it out you check it out on the Facebook live you check it out on the predictions I would do also so fired up So here's the thing I said I said this in the weekly predictions. this is what Gus Don does I hate watching this offense because it's double reverse passes everything's the annexation of Puerto Rico. it is miserable to watch onside kicks. All this kind of stuff that I figured he was going to throw out there. Little did I know, and this is this is what I I absolutely I couldn't stop laughing in the entire third quarter. And I and I'm not I'm not saying it's an exaggeration. I literally could not stop laughing the whole third quarter. He ran a fake jet sweep to a punter, Connor. That was a place kicker, <laughs>
0: but let's not get twisted. He
2: said he ran a fake jet sweep to the kicker,
1: and 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 then the and then at one point I think at halftime. Ryan Davis or whoever the quarterback was or the receiver who that pass had almost as many yards passing as Jared Sidham. This is $49 million that they paid for this kind of play calling. And it's, it's, it was outrageous to me. If you're an Auburn fan, I'm not saying it's to rub it in. If you're an Auburn fan, how do you stick out these next six years? With Gus Malzahn, this is, this is not the way you're going to beat
0: teams. I thought there was an instance that really said a lot about the nature of this game this year. And it was the sequence at the end of the first half where Auburn's got the ball with two and a half minutes left, got yep. all three timeouts, all three, tw- own twenty yard line. If you're if you're a coach who believe who has any sort of confidence in your offense, if it's if it's a zero zero game and you're playing it in snow and you just want to shorten the game as much as possible, maybe that's different. But Gus Malzahn sitting there with three timeouts and plenty of time, especially in the college game, to at least go down there and get a in field his goal. game, yeah, get plenty of time in his game. Right, right. So, what does he decide to do? Just going to run off the clock. Just going to take it to halftime. Bama gets the ball at half, and he still decides that, you know what? Just being within three points of Bama at halftime, that's good enough for me. I want to try and shorten this game as much as possible. They I don't make confidence halftime in adjustments.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was... so, so, and I'll tell you where I think you're wrong about saying that. When you say confidence in his offense... That's why I think you're wrong. Confidence in himself as a play caller—that's probably the better. Yeah, that I think that's really what it is. Because at this point, and and I and I'm not maybe I'm overreacting to it, and you guys know I rarely overreact. Um, Jared Siddham's body language consistently throughout this game. I saw it from up close on the sidelines. We were, I mean, we were we were like eleven rows back on the on the Auburn side of the field. Sick brag. Um, <laughs> constantly, constantly in this game was. It, it like if it, it, you're right, if he if he starts another game for Auburn, I, I would be shocked because right. there's I I cannot imagine the level of frustration to have to go suit up every day, especially when you're playing Alabama, where they are constantly harassing you. You're getting hit and you're getting hit, not even after taking a deep shot, not after like sticking in there, throwing a bomb downfield and hopefully your receiver making a play, which they did once and it worked out well, but mm-hmm. no. Dropping back, running a fake screen pass to your right so you can come back and throw a screen pass to your left and then getting lit up. Bye. Real quick, yeah.
0: I think he's gone. I, I think that was the last game that he plays in an Auburn uniform. Um, t- just just to set the record straight, it is Chip Lindsey who does the play calling. Gus Malzahn either way. draws up the game plan. You know e- either saying. way, they're both very yeah. involved in the process. So I know what you're saying. But I know I just didn't want Auburn fans to tweet us. Like, yeah. Gus Malzahn doesn't call the plays. Whatever. No, I would it's, say what? And I would have a lot of retort for you because you could call the right. plays, Auburn fans. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, Auburn, obviously a frustrating end to the, to the regular season. We saw what really what we had seen throughout the 2018 season, that this team just was not at the level that many thought it was going to be in the preseason. And that wasn't just a factor of the schedule. They played into exactly what Bama wanted to do. And Bama started hitting on the big plays in the second half. Now, some perspective on Bama because we're obviously going to continue to talk about you know this team going into the SEC championship and going into what I think is a playoff berth guaranteed regardless of what happens next week. And are okay. you finally on board with the notion that Alabama has a playoff berth clinched? Yes. Good, because Bama <laughs> just became the first team since 1888 Yale. Yeah, that's right. 1888 Yale. We want Yale. They became the first team since then to have 12 games to start the year of winning by at least 20 points. Now, that's back when they used to play against hardware teams, like, you yeah. know, the Ace Hardware would basically that's have, like, a team of guys. <laughs> my and, joke,
2: but yes. Yeah, How they played 12 games in that
0: year? I don't know. That's what I was wondering, too. It's but, like the length of a um, baseball season in 1888. Well, because I knew that hadn't happened because I went and looked back at some of the most dominant teams of all time. And you can even look at that 2013 Florida State team, which you could make the argument, I think their plus-minus was better than Bama's during the regular season, but the ACC was pretty watered down. They only had two ranked teams at the end of the season, so that's a different discussion. But Alabama sets a single-season record with 588 points. Like I said, they've won every game by at least 22 points, actually. Bama does Bama has a loss to give. Anybody who thinks that Bama is going into this SEC championship in a winner-go-home scenario is freaking crazy. It's 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 ludicrous to think that yeah. Bama at this point doesn't have a playoff berth locked up. They just clinched the most dominant regular season that we've ever seen in the 21st century. And to think that there's anything that can prevent this team from getting into the playoff, considering that there's going to be at least a one loss conference champ filling that fourth spot, is is to me, it's bonkers. Like, Bama yeah. Bama has this thing locked up. Tua has the Heisman locked up. Let's move on to, to different discussions because those two, to me, are not debates anymore.
1: Um, The Heisman thing, I think, is hilarious to me at this point. It, and, and well, I, Kyler I, Murray I,
0: just gets to play against Big 12 defenses, and we act I, like it's totally it's, equal.
1: It is. If you, at this point, if you are telling me, and I'm, I'm trying to say this as objectively as possible because I've said it several times this season, I've told you recently, I think Clemson was better than Bama. I told you before that I thought Haskins, had a, at the midway point, deserved the Heisman at that point more than Tua. And looking at his stats objectively, I've tried to be as objective as possible. But if you're telling me at this point you think that Kyler Murray deserves a Heisman over over Tua, you're out of your freaking mind. Because Tua would have been pulled in, in the second quarter of that game. And that, that might be a little bit of a stretch. But Tua, that is, what we watched, That was one, that was an NBA All-Star game. That was pathetic. To watch on Friday night, so that fired me up. And the only other thing I want to say, I think Tua does have a high locked up. R.I.P. to Dixie Delight. Because it'll oh, never, it'll never it's be said again. And it was awesome. It was, it was. I, excuse me, because we are. I'm in a high ceiling room here, so if if, if I'm if I'm going up and down, I apologize. But it was. I couldn't stop laughing, and and you and you knew it going into it. You could there was there was buzz, there was a buzz about it, man, and, and everyone around it was like, "Yo, make sure you get some video of the last Dixie to light because it'll never happen again after today." And those students, yep. pff, <laughs> they just didn't hold anything back. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> Moving on, let's talk. About, let's talk about the team that Bama is going to see in Georgia. We will be there, um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They are facing the Dogs, Georgia continued to roll uh we th- we thought this matchup was going to be pretty lopsided clean old-fashioned hate was pretty much over from the jump i mean georgia went in there and just pr- pretty much blitzkrieg tech uh yeah. this was not oh, a game that, that tech yeah no i i like i like throwing blitzkrieg in there every once in a while it's yeah, a very mean, strong it's like, verb
1: it's a very yeah well it has the the tendency to bring up terrible memories if you're
0: polish well, which i'm well, not so let's... i don't care <laughs> In the right context, it's a, it's a great word. But Georgia goes in there and dominates. Jake Fromm once again came into this game with the second best quarterback rating in the country, besides yeah. Kyle, the aforementioned Kyler Murray, and just balled. I mean, he was so good. That throw that he had to well, Jeremiah Hallman, thirteen of sixteen, but yeah. No, but I mean the efficiency that he had before. You know, basically being out for most of the second half, Justin yeah. Fields gets a chance to go in. Um, I, real quick on. On Fromm, because I think what he's done since the LSU game, where a lot of people had questions going into the bye week and they wanted to see more Justin Fields, I think at this point, and I, I know some Georgia fans are gonna kind of bark back on this. Nice, good. I think good I think yeah, you see what I did there. I think Jake Fromm has the starting job for 2019 locked up. Yeah. I, I really do. No, I like it because I, mean, I think that we came into this year thinking, okay, Jake Fromm has has, has done enough. Uh, based on what he did in his freshman year to earn the starting job for 2019, but let's, or for 2018, rather, but let's see how this plays out during the 2018 season if he regresses at all, and if Justin Fields like, looks like he is every bit as talented as we thought. And that's right. not to take anything away from Justin Fields, but I think that he, Jake Fromm is a top 10 quarterback nationally. I think that the job that he has done, allowing this team to respond, and don't get me wrong, the running game has been tremendous, and the job that they've been able to do with a banged-up offensive line, DeAndre Swift, Elijah Holyfield, they deserve a ton of credit. But Jake Fromm has taken his game to a next level, and he is more prepared for this Alabama team than he was last year. Jake Fromm is going to be,
1: and this is going to be unfair, but Jake Fromm is going to be, they're going to start to say game manager even more next year. 'Cause of the I better not. They will, because the kind of talent that Justin Fields has is is a different type of talent than than Jake Fromm has. And that is he's a better runner, he's more athletic, all that kind of stuff. Jake Fromm is quietly the most efficient quarterback, and I get that he has doesn't have the QBR that Kyler Murray has. Jake Fromm has quietly become the most efficient quarterback in the country. And like and and we've talked I've I've harped on this repeatedly. Twenty four touchdowns, seven interceptions as a freshman. As a freshman in the toughest conference in the country. When you're facing these kind of defenses all the time, and then to go like you said, 11, 11 touchdowns, one interception to close out the year, when you're like when your back's against the wall, your team needs it most, and
0: you go you, you face three ranked teams in a row. This was one sided. This is like we talked about. Georgia <clears> is <throat> Georgia has been upset proof since the start of the 2017 yep. season, and I think just that this response since the LSU game, we're talking about a team that's won five games in a row. Four mm-hmm. of those games have come against power five teams with winning records. Right. That, that, that I think, can't be overlooked. And we talked about how Georgia coming into this year, we looked at the schedule in the preseason and thought, man, it, it's rough. They, they could be a team that could have one loss and not make the playoff because of how weak right. we think their schedule is going to be. And the schedule has been much better than we thought. And I think it has really, really helped them get to a level that, you know, maybe we didn't always think that they could get to, but they are firing on all cylinders right now. And they're kind of heading into this SEC championship in the perfect position. Now, I'm not saying that Georgia's going to win this game, but if you were Kirby Smart drawing up a scenario for your team to feel good about your team and not, you know, with all things, not not worrying necessarily about the opposition, but just looking at, you know, in, in a vacuum, just looking at yep. your team and looking about the expectations coming in, I'd venture to say that you can't really ask for much more
1: and i said this first off and this is not me bragging this is this is just like calling it what it is i said before the season we did the over under season over under if there's a lock in the country it's georgia over 10 and a half that was a joke oh yeah man. that was yeah. a joke i mean that i mean so free money. yeah free money and and they of course go 11 and 1 but when they lost to lsu and you saw a lot of the fans that i thought it was funny just because i'm used to the Bulldog meltdown um, every Sunday morning when they have like a, I think it's like the Bulldog Roundtable or something like that um, in Atlanta. I it's funny because it's like you I, you you knew it was coming if they lost LSU. I thought they'd beat LSU, but like when they lost and it was like the sky is play. falling. Yeah, there you go. But it's like the sky Sit is brag. falling, um, and you know we got to start Justin Fields and blah blah, and he can't transfer. And, and I've had Georgia fans tell me this like even even after that, but you just it, it, I, we said it then. It couldn't have come. That loss meant nothing. It's not in your division. It's not to a rival. It's not going to cost you anything. You get a week off, and then you head into your rivalry game. It, it you couldn't have scripted it any better, and and it did exactly what we thought it would do. It's beautiful. It was a. It's this is a perfectly laid out season, like regular
0: season for Kirby Smart. And they've improved in a lot of areas. And like I've mentioned this before, uh, I love reading Matt Hayes's um, what I'm hearing about each SEC yeah. team. And and I I'm not realizing that the only two times I brought it up has been when something that he that was in the article that didn't play out at all on Saturday. But it's it really is tremendous. I mean that in the right. most sincere way possible. You should read it. But I think uh, one of the the things in there was how Georgia's run defense is very capable of getting exposed against Georgia Tech. And all that happened was. Georgia Tech, which came in with the number one rushing attack in the country, was held to its lowest single game output of the season for the second straight year against Georgia. And to me, <laughs> that just kind of shows that this team is is you know, Alabama's not going to come down, come out there and run the ball forty times because they have two obviously, but right. that to me just kind of shows the development of this team and what they're they're capable of doing. You just can't be one dimensional against Georgia. The thought of doing that is, is ludicrous. So. Um, Georgia is now going to, by the way, DeAndre Baker uh, had the sign that he held up saying, uh, yeah, we own this we state. Run the, we, run we run this run the state. state. Yeah, that's pretty Congrats, good. Congrats, uh, dude! You're playing Georgia Tech.
1: Just in case I hate that st- sign so much. Georgia yeah, needs just, to be better with signs. Yeah,
0: they'll, they'll figure it out. We um, run the state. <laughs> we're we're going to talk more about the SEC Championship uh, a ton. We'll, we'll hit on that later. But uh, I want to first kind of go through these, some of these other rivalry games. The Sunshine Showdown. New name. Working title. Working title. Uh Florida stamps a five game losing streak to Florida State and just pummels the Seminoles. Forty one to fourteen. Felipe Franks balled in the second half. Dan Mullen showed everyone that he's a better coach than Willie Taggart. I think that was that <laughs> oh, was pretty yeah. obvious.
1: That was my biggest takeaway was that Willie Taggart apparently wasn't the best coach. God, that's, Isn't it that's weird though be... to think
0: Think about this, though. like So Florida State last year was a six-win team, and yeah, they rescheduled the game to get to six wins and all that stuff, and it was the debacle of Jimbo. And Florida was a four-win team, and everybody was kind of like, man, these both of these two teams are just in such a world of hurt right now. And it looks like Florida State is just still in that mode, yeah. and Florida has just snapped out of it. And I didn't think that they would do it to this extent, and I wrote why their season was or their ceiling for this year was only eight wins, and they have already surpassed that. They have nine wins after a four-win season, which is yeah. incredible. And I, I want to ask you this. I'm, I'm not sure if you know this. When was the last time an SEC team had that dramatic of a turnaround with a first-year coach? It wasn't Bama. You should know this. You should uh, know with this. With
1: a first-year coach?
0: With a first-year coach. Where they went to nine wins? Where they had, where they, okay, so Florida Florida's win total improved by five. Already yeah. five and counting. Um, when was the last time that we saw a team have that dramatic of a oh, year-to-year God. improvement with a first-year coach? It's Gus Malzahn, 2013. Yep. Damn it. Yep. You're downright. It is um, this this year, obviously <laughs> a little bit of a different a different ending than than that they weren't, season. They were miracles. But, yeah. Yeah, but um, I think just for Florida to get to, to nine wins and to do so in this fashion, where they've been, I mean, let's be honest, it's been a rough go, especially offensively against Florida State. They've been they've been overmatched in this They're game. They're losing every by year. an
1: average of nineteen points a game in the last five years. But I will say, and I will, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try. I'm not diminishing the, um, I guess, accomplishment from Mullen and Florida. This is a huge win to get, especially against a rival and where you've struggled. But Florida State struggles are Jimbo Fisher's fault for the most part. Not this season, but he left that place in disarray. And anybody that says otherwise is lying to themselves. He, he stopped recruiting. He, he, they had defensive linemen playing offensive line this year. And that offensive line's been terrible the past. He's, he stopped recruiting and stopped caring about and, and ran that program into,
0: he turned it into shambles. Poor DeAndre yeah. Francois, because that offensive line did not have a chance against the Florida edge rushers, as we talked about. We right. knew this was going to be a big day for guys like ja- Ja'Kai Polite, uh, Jabari Zuniga, these these guys who were just you know <sighs> ready to tee off with with yeah with yeah. CC Jefferson. Todd Grantham was going to send was going to send the house. We knew that much. But uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson had the comment after the game that he knew Florida State was the most undisciplined team in America, and I could see that. It's kinda of hard to argue with that after yeah. what we saw play out um, on Saturday. So Florida's feeling good right now because Florida's gonna be going to we think at least the, the stage is set for them to be going to a New Year's six game. That that that's unbelievable. That, that that goes against what I what I argued in the beginning of the season, that they hadn't shown anybody that they were worthy of being a top twenty five team. Yeah. For them to have this good of a year one in Damon with this much inconsistent quarterback play. I know Felipe had a good second play in half. General. Yeah, just inconsistent play overall. You had the Mizzou game where you just completely fall apart. The Georgia game where you crap the bed in the second half. But this this team well, all has, their losses has,
1: are home games, including I
0: Georgia. I mean,
1: I mean, <laughs> I mean like they like they lost to Kentucky at home badly. They lost to by double digits. True. They true. they lost to they got well Bo not Rice. badly. I mean,
0: let's let's be honest. I mean, there, Florida had a game winning drive potential at the very end, and then it was did you know, they lose the, the, by the double fumble. digits? They lost by double digits, to but it Kentucky, was... They hadn't lost him in 32 years.
1: I That's know, was That's a but bad loss for Florida.
0: But it wasn't losing badly. To McIlwain beat them.
1: Continue. S- sorry. <laughs> McIlwain beat them, it's a bad loss. You lose by double digits to Kentucky. I understand Kentucky's a better team, blah, blah, blah. But you lose to them, you lose to Missouri, and I think, again, I, there's a lot to be said about how good of a team Missouri can be. But, I mean, yeah, like it is an incredible turnaround. It's But they've been... Like I'm, I'm looking at you. Say New Year six, and my first thought, honestly, is they don't deserve to be in a New Year six game. And then you look at that resume, and you're like, because they got beat by Georgia, they got beat by Mizzou, they got beat by Kentucky, but they beat LSU. They went on the road and beat Mississippi State. Yep. I mean, yeah, it was good. It's that that is that's a perfect way to put it. Like, what an impressive year with that kind of inconsistencies.
0: Can we please get the Florida UCF matchup? Can we could, could, please? <sighs> okay. I, I don't it's ask. It's gonna for be much. unfair.
1: It's gonna be unfair. Because of what happened with Mackenzie Milton, and I hate that that happened to that kid. That kid that sucks. That's that's freaking terrible. Because he's he's a, a tremendous competitor. However, if you think there's any SEC fan that's going to apologize, because they are they are going to face it, an SEC team. There's no doubt. They, they, whoever it's, they it's get, going to set up. It's yeah. going to happen without a doubt, and and they are going to get beat, and and it is going to be. Fireworks, it's going to be awesome. And I'm going
0: to be right in the middle of it just lighting mortars. Can't wait. <laughs> Speaking of fireworks, uh, if you were still able to fight the post Thanksgiving food coma and watch the Egg Bowl, you were treated to some world class entertainment. I know the final score was 35 to 3, but that brawl man, that was um, they that hate was each other. Geek- that was peak Egg Bowl. These teams do not like each other whatsoever. To see the way that that played out where you had Matt Corral taking shots. How did Matt Corral stay in that game? So
1: I really like Matt Corral, I think. I think. Because he's he's young and he's brash. But, but yeah, how did he? Like he sought out he, he, I don't know if Matt Corral's a team guy. I don't know if he's he's a guy that you rally around. I I loved watching because he because you know how I feel about sportsmanship, especially rivalry. week. It ain't for me, but when he's when he gets down, <laughs> when he gets down and then is like, I mean, head on a swivel, looking to jump into a fight, and then just storming up and down the sidelines, but not really with his teammates. That was
0: that thing was wild, man. That whole that whole brawl, the way that that played out was, I mean. I, that that was that that about said the story of this game and yeah Mississippi State is able to to dominate this is a big revenge game for Nick Fitzgerald but that that to me was the takeaway and watching the way that this team's interacted after the game Joe Moorhead dropping some dropping love some F bombs calling out the Associated ADE, all that stuff I, I thought this this was great for this rivalry and if you are just a fan of college football man you you've gotta love the you've gotta love the Egg Bowl right I mean if you I think I think I got some pushback last week from people
1: saying like oh it was Luke it was Luke Del Rio I, I brought up something about sportsmanship and I was like I don't give a blank about sportsmanship and he and he <laughs> he texted me back and he goes uh, I I actually do care about sportsmanship after games and I'm like well good I'm glad I brought that up then um, but the thing for me is this with with uh with like I said to, I said to Allie we were watching the game and I was like what's crazy to me about this is these guys hate each other I mean they hate each other. And to have Joe Moorhead from Fordham and Penn State come down and see this, I was like, you know, he 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 just has to think like he has no idea what this means to these people. And I said this to her, and then lo and behold, the end of the game happens, and I was like, well, that's all over with now. He gets it. He absolutely gets yep. it. And I loved. I'm not the biggest Joe Moorhead supporter or fan or whatever. You know, like I, I, it's I, one I, of your many
0: flaws. Yeah, I know. Yeah,
1: but like. I absolutely loved what he said and did after this game. And when he said, you don't take any blank off of anybody, oh, man, loved it.
0: This game, when we look back on Joe Moorhead's legendary tenure at Mississippi State, we're going to point to this game as being a key starting point. Because for a variety of reasons, this game was so monumental for him. You can talk about the recruiting stuff and how Ole Miss is now without sanctions, Matt Luke has made it a point to say repeatedly how this team feels so much better, like they can recruit, not having to worry about the postseason ban, not having to worry about the scholarship limitations, all of that stuff. And if Joe Moorhead had had lost this game, Matt Luke goes into every single living room in the Magnolia State and is able to say, even in a year where we didn't have postseason, we didn't have any postseason possibilities, we're able to beat a preseason top 20 team in Mississippi State, come be a part of this rebuild, and instead... Joe Moorhead, who had probably been hearing about this Ole Miss offense all year, watched his team hold Ole Miss without a touchdown. I understand Jordan Samu getting hurt in this game was was a part of that. It was definitely significant. But his team dominated from start to finish, and he looked like exactly what Mississippi State fans could have hoped for in head coach. I know it's been a work in progress throughout the year with this offense. We talked about the learning curve pretty much on a weekly basis. But to go out on this note and to be able to just dominate, Ole Miss. I mean, just go into their house and light them up with a half-empty stadium at the end. I mean, half empty is is probably being a little bit too nice. That place emptied out in a hurry, and that's not to fault Mississippi State or Ole Miss fans or anything like that. But the optics of that game and what that's going to mean for Joe Moorhead, an outsider in that state, as he tries to recruit in the next month, is significant. And I think that Mississippi State is going to get a lot of momentum from. From a game like this, still have a chance to win nine games in this season. I know that they haven't necessarily lived up to my preseason preseason expectations, but I still think that if you're a Mississippi State fan, you're feeling pretty good about the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. I, right. I guess they lose a lot. They lose a lot.
0: They lose a ton of talent. I will not. Jeffrey deny Simmons that, it,
1: and Mar- and Montez Sweats don't grow on trees in Mississippi. Like that's like that's they
0: are. That
1: that's the first five star they've had. That's the first five star they've ever had with Jeffrey Jeffrey Simmons
0: and. That's not entirely true. He's actually, like, the number five all-time recruit. Uh, I went back and looked that up because I did At a story. At Mississippi State, on tell, me, tell me the other five yes. stars. Uh, they had, um, oh, who am I blanking on? They had someone in 2009 um, that Mullen recruited. He's a, uh, he's a linebacker. I, I'm blanking on a name right now. But I actually went back and looked Benito, this up because. Ben, what's his name?
1: Ben uh, I'd Benito, have to, Benito, Bernito, something like that. It's like this double Bs. He was a four-star. i have to go.
0: No, I, go back and look it up. Jeffrey yeah. Simmons is like number five all time in terms of Mississippi State recruits in the recruiting year. I looked this up because I did a story on Jeffrey Simmons and how last week, and I asked Dan Mullen about this, and I asked Joe Moorhead because Mullen was the one who gave him the second chance after the video went viral of Jeffrey Simmons punching that woman. And everybody was pretty much willing to say, like, this kid is never going to make it. Right. And I'm not I'm not, you know, accepting that or anything like that. But oh. I, what I am saying is that Jeffrey Simmons did not ruin his second chance, and he did everything no. right yeah. in the best possible way. Great. So I give, him, I give him credit for doing that, and now yeah. he's going to go off to the NFL, and he's going to make a ton of money. He's going to be a first-round pick. Montez Sweat, the same thing. But I still so think hard that hard with hard Joe hard. Moorhead, the future is going to look very, very bright for that team. He's going to recruit, and you watch. When he gets those playmakers, especially at receiver, Win. they are going to be much better on the outside in that position for years to come, that much, I believe. So Mississippi State fans, don't worry. Sky's not falling. It's gonna be okay. You lose a lot, but you got you got Joe, and that, that's all that matters. He's a proven winner. Anyway, on. Let's go. To one big takeaway for uh, the rest of the rivalry games that we had in the SEC. Vandy, Tennessee. My big takeaway from this game, Vandy fans. You you can call me out. I was wrong about you. No, I was wrong. I, and
1: I'm not gonna let you take. I'm not gonna let you burn up the stake for this. And usually I would. We were wrong about this. I picked. Ten, oh no, I said on here. I said Vandy, but. I, on the Facebook Live, I, I said I
0: said again I went against you
1: only to be against you on this one. We yeah we well, were we were wrong about Vandy.
0: I was I'm not talking about just this game because yeah I picked Tennessee yeah. to win this game and that obviously didn't come close to happening. But I predicted Vandy was going to win three games this year, and oh, they yeah, doubled that. Bad. They're going bowling. Derek Mason was dancing a fool. He's probably going to get an extension from this. Kyle Sherman played like the yeah he he should. They, Imagine got a being a Tennessee come in. this morning. Ugh. And
2: your sh- the, the three straight losses to Tennessee '26.
0: Yeah, that
2: uh, <laughs> I, I've said <laughs> many good things
0: about Jeremy Pruitt. That's a tough thing to be able to talk about when yeah. it comes to recruiting in that state for the next month until the early signing period. That's that's a little bit of a tough thing. to I love, love the
1: fact that this is, these are the things we've I've gotten on Twitter this morning. I've gotten from Florida fans asking me about hey, you want to update those those uh, coach of the year rankings again? Do you think do you think that uh, Pruitt should be on there over Mullen? And it was like, oh how the tables have turned because three weeks ago when you guys got destroyed by Missouri, I was thinking the same thing. But it, it was awesome, and I I'm am not trying to poke fun at Tennessee fans too much, but good for Vandy man, you go girl,
0: you go. <laughs> like I mean, good for you. Yeah, uh Kyle Shermer completed like 31 to 35 passes in this game and you know did he's going to be rising in my quarterback rankings. Don't yeah. worry Jordan Rodgers I'll have him high up there. Um not too too high up. But Derek Mason, with a new AD coming in, realized what this meant, and like I said, he's going to get an extension. He proved a lot of people wrong, like me. Yeah. And the fact that this team is going to a bowl game, impressive accomplishment. Good for that program, especially after how bad SEC play went for them in 2017. To be able to respond down the stretch like they did, my my hat is off to them. Winning two of the f- two, yeah, two winning the final two games of clinch bowl eligibility because Ole Miss yeah. was last week. So. Um, impressive accomplishment. And I think if you're Tennessee, you're still, you know, you're still feeling like you're in good hands with Jeremy. Yeah, Pitt. I don't yeah. want this, these final two games. You are on the right, now. I mean,
1: like, you're, you're trending upwards still. It sucks the loss of Andy, but even when we talk about going in this game, I know we should do one big takeaway, but, like, breaking this down a little bit because it's important for Tennessee fans, like, you're still trending up. You're, I mean, you're still trending up in this game. I, 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 I know you so lost also. to Vanderbilt, but it wasn't like you had that much here that, like, was going to... Going into this game that's like, here's how we're gonna beat Vandy. But moving on to the next game, South Carolina Clemson.
0: Um, South Carolina Clemson, my big takeaway from this game was Brian McClendon's offense worked. Brian McClendon, his his system that we talked about the entire offseason and how he's gonna speed up the tempo and they were gonna spread teams out, it worked. Jake Bentley yeah. in this game, I know that that South Carolina doesn't win this doesn't win this game, they end up losing by twenty-one points, probably should have been 14. Clemson decides to keep throwing at the end to get to 21. Whatever. But Brian McClendon's offense against Clemson on the road had Jake Bentley thrown for over five hundred yards and five touchdown passes. There is no way that I would have seen that coming no. a week ago, a month ago, Here's two why. months ago.
1: I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give us I'm gonna call us out for this. Maybe okay. this one big takeaway should just be why we were wrong. Probably <laughs> These first, first yeah. couple. Justin Lonazak just called us out on Twitter, and this is at this is roughly thirty minutes ago. He said Tagged us in both and said, "Hey, remember when y'all both took the under on Bentley having over one point five touchdown passes against Clemson?" And then oh, Michael Scott. Oh, that's right. Uh. So yeah, good for good for uh, South Carolina. I thought South Carolina. I said they were putting up thirty two points a game. I don't know how I made that that correlation, or I did make that correlation with Bentley throwing for over one point five touchdowns, but also thinking they'd be able to put up points against this Clemson defense. But yeah, good for I mean, good for Carolina. This is also it, like. I, I, I joke around, we joke around, there's not like a lot of moral victories. This is, a I think, legitimately a good moral victory for them.
0: Will, Miss, Will Muscham's defense is very young, and now you go into this offseason, assuming Jake Bentley comes back, I know that they lose talent on the outside. Debo Samuel, by the way, went over 200 yards in this game, had a few touchdowns, and was tremendous. But if you're a South Carolina fan, you feel good about the direction of this offense where you average 41 points per game in your final four. And this this group was significantly better than it was last year. You still got to be able to run the ball better in the SEC. I think that's true, but you're feeling much better about this offense than you were at this time yeah. last year. So uh, South Carolina fans still have one more game in the regular season because they added that, that last one against Akron. So they'll have a chance to get to potentially eight total wins in this season. So something to keep in mind. My big takeaway speaking of our theme of we were wrong, we were dead mm. wrong. Picking Louisville to cover against Kentucky. I don't was, know what you're
1: saying we on that one.
0: Okay. I, okay <laughs> me me doing that was maybe not the smartest thing I've ever suggested.
1: <laughs> I just Dude that's I'm not I I love you to death. That's the dumbest thing you said all year. That is <laughs> because it's and, up there. It. <laughs> cause, it's. it's cause you're so smart and you're so good at this job, but Louisville is no, trash. Yeah, you are. The Louisville is trash, and and I told you before that they were giving up forty three to forty three points a game, and and we didn't know if this Kentucky. This is this is why I love it so much. We didn't know if this Kentucky offense would be able to put up these kind of like numbers necessarily, like because their offense has been inconsistent at best. First thing you said, Kentucky could have scored eighty.
0: Yup. 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 Jeez, yeah, they man. they could have run the ball all over the place. They had 200 yard rushers in this game. Our good friend neighbor Terry Wilson had a big time performance, and that was a let's be honest, Louisville checked out, and they're waiting for Jeff Brom to come in there. That he's not. That, coming. that was a team that completely.
1: He's not coming. Did you hear what he said?
0: I, I heard what best. he said. It doesn't it doesn't uh-huh. mean anything. Well, he's but since say. when do you? Since when do you pay attention to what a coach says at a press conference about <laughs> about uh, another
1: job? Trying to be to a take, break. Trying to take trying to take this job more more seriously. Anyway, here's what I'm gonna say. A couple weeks ago, uh, somebody, some probably, probably one of the neighborhood kids, probably just one of them little scallions, came in there and put a dang for sale sign in front of Uncle Neighbor Terry Wilson's house, trying to talk about how he wasn't playing very well. And Uncle Uncle Terry Wilson, he responded. And, and I took that for sale sign, and I'll tell you what I did with it. Actually, I'll tell you off air what I did with it because I I may have Im- impaled somebody with it uh, and maybe it's in trouble. But bottom line cookout tonight, five o'clock in the cul
0: de sac with Terry Wilson. Boom. See you Confession. Then. Confession time. I may or may not have, but definitely did put that for sale sign in front of his house. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's on me, Terry. My bad. We'll We'll. We'll have a brat. You we'll, might not we'll be in and chat about it. <laughs> yeah, I might not be invited to that. Um, but Kentucky has a chance to win double-digit games. They already have their best season clinched since 1984. Dang. What that's a year. A bra- what a year. That's still That's still impressive. Hell yeah, 84. man. 84. Mary Lou Redden. Last SEC game, and I don't want to really call this a game because it wasn't. <sighs> Mizzou and Arkansas was sloppy. One-sided and dominant. And I don't want to sit here and really talk about too much of the game because as we knew coming into this one, Arkansas being without two defensive backs because they were fraternizing with the Mississippi State dance team members, we thought that this was going to be a rough go. I say that tongue-in-cheek. It was going to be a rough go no matter what. But Mizzou is able to get its eighth win of the year. They once again dominate November. Mm. And my big takeaway from this... No loss November,
1: two years in a row.
0: it's, It's fascinating. Yeah. There's a weird Barry Odom stat. And I I have no way of verifying this. I would have to really, really dig into this. And I did not have the time to do that yet. Barry Odom, his last two years, has started off SEC play 0-4. Yes. Right? We've, We've talked about Barry Odom's job security each of the last two years. And I think, legitimately, we're looking at him getting an extension this year. He should, in my opinion. The job that he's done in riding the ship, the defense has been significantly better. If that happens, because he got an extension after the end of last year, too... I think he's be the first coach to ever start consecutive years 0 and 4 in SEC play and get an extension in each of those years. I don't think that's ever been done before.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know where you need to find no that way. stat. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I, be able in to find this day that. and age though, with like the what have you done for me lately and the overreaction, we mm-hmm. you know, we at saw Les Miles and, and Mark Rick get run off. Les Miles in season. <laughs> like after the I mean it was because of one game, but yeah, and it wasn't after like a month because it was they were building frustrations, but it was um after a month following the month he had in November where they were carrying him off the field and he had this huge win and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's crazy to it's good for Missouri, good for Barry Odom. Love to see it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I like Barry Odom a lot. I, I yeah. I've questioned whether or not his defense is capable of stepping up, but they finally showed this yeah. year, and we've talked about that that they can win a game without scoring forty five points. I'll be interested to see if Drew Locke plays in this bowl game. I know I've questioned whether or not um, he's going to just because you don't know where they're going to end up. The fact that he came back for his senior year, obviously that's going to matter and maybe his decision. But yeah. Mizzou, Mizzou now going back to that Georgia game where they really threw the ball over the place in the first half. 2017, of course, I'm talking right. about. They're 8-4 and four in SEC play since then.
1: They have that's the pretty good. against gets to spread against, in the SEC
0: as well. That's so. pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, so, Mizzou fans still possibly looking at potentially a nine-win season. Consider this. All right. How many teams in the SEC have a chance for a nine-win season? I don't know. Think about that.
1: Connor, I'm hungover.
0: Bama. You've got Florida already clinched. Georgia. Kentucky. LSU. Uh, Mississippi State. That's six. Mizzou, that's seven. Um, a m can still get to nine wins as well. Connor has a, like a one-inch-thick
1: binder with spiral I notebook. The schedule. Right I have no the idea got it's got schedule. So okay. Um,
0: eight of 14. Think about this. If eight of 14 SEC teams win nine games, <clears throat> it's almost that's like pre- the best that's in the country. I mean... Hear yeah, that,
1: I Danny? That.
0: I threw out that set on Twitter, by the way. Um, SEC, eight and three against power five teams. That was... Uh, in non-conference play, that was in the middle yeah. of yesterday. It ends up being because Kentucky won, beat Louisville, and then South Carolina lost to Clemson. So that that final mark ends up being nine and four. Well, and I told I,
1: and I said this last week, and I'll, I'll I'll wake back up here for a second and get all fired up, Uncle Chris style. When Danny Do Cannell it. was talking all that trash, and I and I like and again I like Danny Cannell, and I think he, he does he's good at what he does because he gets people riled up. But any ACC fan. That wanted to open up that door and talk blank to us, and when I say us, I mean SEC fans. Anybody that wanted to do that, and I said, you are that is a slippery slope, my friend, because if you're going to do that, knowing this is and this is in week twelve when the SEC was playing three FCS teams and eight non cons against all non Power Five teams, slippery slope, my friend, because a week later you had to invite those people into your home: Florida State, Clemson louisville whoever else what's the other, what's the other one i'm missing right now because i'm all well georgia but you had to right. you had to invite that back in after talking all that trash and get your doors blown off like i said was going to happen in three of those four games and carolina covered so y'all can just i'm giving the suck it sign
0: get out of i here. love how i love how whenever you say talk something you say talk blank there, there's like a million words that you could pick there that's not you know that's and You know, music. the only
1: one that's coming to my mind at that time is, is the bad one. Talk crap. Nope, um, I, I would love it good.
0: if you actually said talk poop. I,
1: I, It is hard enough for me to censor myself. I've done it for 12 <laughs> straight weeks, and you should be very proud. It, in, I, I censored myself yesterday during the game. I whispered. Anytime I said a bad word, there was a kid in front of us. I whispered it in Allie's ear. You know who didn't censor themselves? Allie. She had a lot to say about
0: Auburn. Dang. It was nice. That's good to know. <laughs> Oh, that's good to know. No, you're giggling as you say that. Yeah. Um, before we talk about the SEC Championship, got to talk to you guys about our friends over at Sweet Hop. We've told you about them before. They have made the, the stadium experience much different than what you're used to. Um, remember the good old days of attending games in the student section, the passion, the noise, the spilled drinks, and the long lines at the bathroom? You do not need that anymore. Thanks to Sweet Hop, you can make sitting in the rowdy section a fond memory. With the best access in Atlanta for luxury suites, Sweet Hop has the insider access for the best suites at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the SEC Championship. Sick brag, we're gonna be there. You'll head right into the stadium where cold beer and catering are waiting for you to enjoy with the dogs and Tide on the field oh, and watching the big game in style. That's a sweet life, y'all. Just saying. You, you know, I told I you about it. what's that? You've never watched a Bama game with me. Oh, in, yeah. I haven't watched a Bama like, game. Like together. With you. So, oh, man. We'll <laughs> peel behind the onion here. I've actually already planned like my, my content for next week, what I'm going to be doing off of this game. And I think yeah. I'm just going to take a bunch of videos of you watching this game. And me. I'm going to write a story. I'm probably going to end up writing a story. I went to the SEC Championship with a Bama, with a Bama fan, yeah. and this is how it went. Georgia fans aren't going to like that story. Unless, of course, Bama loses, in which case, I mean, content would be great. Um, okay, but, yeah, I'm it. looking forward to that. It's going to be great. Um, so for for all, all of you who are looking to get that, that next level experience for the SEC Championship, um, you, you can view availability and pricing at sweethop.com slash SEC today. That's S-U-I-T-E hop.com slash SEC. Um, SEC Championship, we are going to be there. We've got a lot to get to with this. We're hopefully gonna have maybe some guests on during this week. We're still still kind of working through that. Don't want to reveal anything just yet, but right. um, Georgia and Bama, we can finally talk about this game, and both coaches can finally talk about this game as well. How long do you think Georgia's been prepping for Bama? Um, probably a week or two. I don't mean. No, because I, I wonder about this. You because, can't
1: because of the triple option. I mean, that's yeah. And it's also also here's the thing. Now the the real pill behind the onion here, the real the real I think intriguing thing is, I would love. To be a fly on the wall, and when I, not in the coaches' rooms, like for the past month, in the analysts with the Butch Joneses and all those guys oh, yeah. and the people, because those guys intern Butch
0: Jones to you, but yeah,
1: those guys have been yeah. He was flying the helicopter right off the field yesterday, um, mm-hmm. but those guys were the ones that have been like plugging away trying to find tendencies and all that kind of stuff. I don't think these these two are already so familiar with the style of play and what each team is gonna do. I don't think it's it's something... They've, they've probably installed some stuff, but nothing
0: crazy, I don't think. I just think that this game, the way that it's setting up is... I, maybe we're overlooking just because of how dominant Bama's been, but let's not forget that we're getting to see, and uh, we're getting to see a national championship rematch, which we don't. I mean, I understand that we get that with Alabama and Clemson pretty much every year, but yeah. we get to see this in a conference championship play out in the exact same building that they played in last year. We get a full full four quarters of Tua if he's able to, you know, play four quarters. And this isn't a blowout. play four quarters this game. Um, I'm but fired this game up being now. played, yeah, you're you're rocking back and forth. I can. See I, didn't, you're, you're I haven't even thought
1: about this until right now. This is a. Uh...
0: <laughs> you're you're giddy right now. It's, I am. Kind of weird me out. Um, I, I grew
1: up in it. I grew up in Georgia. This this game, this game. It's not everything for me, but this game is. See what what you don't thing? understand is this. And you know how much I how much trash I talk, and I've actually dialed it down this year.
0: You you talk blank. You don't talk trash. Exactly.
1: There you go. But if this if we lose this game, if Bam loses this game, I will show you my mentions. It will be if you think the UCF stuff's bad, whoo, buddy. Growing up growing up in the state you got to think Connor this is we haven't lost them in 10 years like and we don't play them a lot we haven't, we haven't lost them since 2007 but those are years where I was in college and even more irresponsible and a terrible person so the things that I've said and the karma that I have that at some point is gonna be revisited and come back to me it's gonna be a bad day if Bama
0: loses I'm, I'm excited either way just to see your overall, just, just the way that you respond in the twenty-four hours leading up, and you know the the aftermath of this game, I am very much looking forward to this. Yeah. Um. Where does, real quick? Where does UGA rank on the teams that Bama fans would fear right now? Hypothetically, two. if they were to fear, they're two. number two behind Clemson. Then. Behind Clemson,
1: and they're ahead. They're ahead of. They're way ahead of Notre Dame because and like, if you mean from who they should fear and who they actually do fear, either way, it's two. And I think Ohio State is could be dangerous still, but Clemson is I still maintain could be the best team in the country. But Georgia, I mean, they have the blueprint. They know how to beat you. They should have beat you last year.
0: So is isn't it interesting that we were talking about last year the changing the guard and Georgia. Celebrated an SEC championship while we were still waiting on whether or not Bama was going to make it into the playoff after they lost to Auburn. And all the narrative about Georgia was that Kirby Smart is is going to pass up Saban. And Saban since then has just not lost a game. He's won a national championship. He's put together the most dominant regular season that we've ever seen. And... Bama is looking very much like an unapproachable team, and I say that even uh, with Clemson because let's not forget that Clemson, as much as we talk, we're going to build this matchup up potentially as being you know the best possible um, scenario to end with a national championship this year. Let's not forget the fact that Clemson has been torched by two quarterbacks when it's faced uh, the two SEC quarterbacks that it faced this year. That's
1: true. That's true. But I will I, and and what I there's like I I I want to first off remind all Georgia fans and I'm doing this for selfish reasons. That Uncle Chris is the one that predicted Georgia to win the SEC championship at the start of the season. You so did. That, That's right. Let's not, let's not forget that, that Chris already predicted that Georgia would beat oh, Alabama. Oh, yeah. You are having so and hard. I, I and I, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and, and I got into it on Twitter last night with this person, um, Brian Hoyt, who's a person I went to high school with. He does stuff in Atlanta radio, and he is the biggest homer for UGA sports, and he, he works at the battery where we will be on Friday night. Um Nice. So sick. we're going to plug that in a second. However, Georgia fans, don't already start with this whole changing of the guard thing and the whole thing about, you know, like Kirby is going to be the one with the nail in the coffin for Saban and all that kind of stuff. And it, it won't be this year because we're a young team. We're 70% underclassmen. There is a very real chance that Georgia can beat Alabama in this game. But that doesn't mean that it's the end. Yes, it did, but that does not mean... It is the end of Saban and the end of this dynasty. I think we all know that.
0: I love how much you're hedging right now. I should be writing all these so things down. They're, they're, it, almost it almost hurts. It almost
1: hurts. Sit on the fence this hard.
0: I mean, I fell asleep on the fence once. <laughs> that's that's a quite true. Plot, can we
1: plug? Right? Can we plug the? Can we plug the event though? Because this is what I'm most yeah, excited let's about. Do it. And we should have done this let's before. Do so I cannot wait for Friday night, guys. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up every day. You're gonna get sick and tired of hearing about. it. There's two things I'm gonna be posting a lot this week. Um, pictures of me under the age of five in all Georgia gear because I used to go to Georgia games all the time as a kid with my first stepdad, which sounds like the most white you're trash thing ever. So hard. Woo-hoo. However, I, I have grown to love being around Georgia fans, being in the state, and the passion that I get to see now with Kirby Smart and all kind of stuff. And we will get to see that firsthand. And I want to experience it with all of you the night before the SEC Championship game. I and our good friend Jesse Fowley of the podcast and Facebook Live, who's the president of the Atlanta Alumni Chapter for UGA have created an event we're going to be doing a happy hour with saturday down south with me and connor we will be there live at sports and social in the battery now starts at six we'll do a happy hour we've given a bunch of stuff away we got a bunch of georgia themed stickers and koozies that i made just specifically for georgia fans and we have stuff for the podcast as well so um Really excited. We want all fans to come out. That's just who we're sponsoring the event with because they do a lot of events there. But it's at Sports and Social at the Battery Atlanta. It's right next to the Braves Stadium. It is a sick venue. It is awesome. There's skee-ball. We'll do a Q&A around 7 or when you know it starts to get like, a bigger crowd. But like, I mean, if you want to find me, I'll be drinking um, some draft beer, playing some skee-ball because those are my two favorite things in the world. I think everybody knows that. That's how I spent That's my true. 31st birthday, and I don't care how that sounds. So make sure you head on out to the battery for happy hour down south. uh, The day before the SEC championship game, we will be previewing the game. We'll be talking with the fans, giving away a bunch of stuff, any Q and A you want to have, any questions. Hell, you're going to have a microphone and I'm going to be on the stage with Connor. You can, it's open for a roast, my man or my woman, whatever you want to do. Y'all come on out. You have a chance. It's not like we're celebrities at all, but I would love to hear from you guys. Uh, We can't wait and uh, we will see you Friday
0: night, Sports and Social, six o'clock at the Battery Atlanta. Seriously, pencil that in. Do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We we want to get to talk to you guys, meet you guys in person, and and you you guys can you know roast us for all of our bad takes. I have no problem with that. I think I would take a roast a little bit better than Michael Scott did. Um, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> and I'll I'll admit that if you if you come, I'll give anybody permission who wants to to roast us. You can you know. Give A comment and then say boom roasted at the end of it, and I will, yeah, I'll just sit there and applaud you because I, I'll have nothing to come back from. So, uh, definitely want to see everybody out there on Friday night. Make sure that you are reaching out to us if you have any questions about that. Uh, we definitely want to see you all there. So, um, we've got one, it might mean too much. And if you stayed awake for the end of that AM LSU game, you saw blank what went this down. guy. This was, um, this was crazy. So LSU director of player personnel is Kevin Falk, former LSU running back. He's a legend there. He got into it with a Texas A&M staffer. And I don't want to say that it was like Falk forced this. They got into it. An A&M credentialed staffer. That's what I believe this person's role is. This picture was thrown out there on social media via uh, Hillary. I'm going to botch this pronunciation. It's Hillary Chinook uh, of of the Baton Rouge Advocate. So... Apparently the story behind this is um, LSU analyst Steve Cragthorpe was getting punched by an an and m staffer the credentialed staffer this guy who's wearing like a red shirt and he had a credential hanging out of his of his belt or whatever and then apparently that's what led to this this confrontation with uh, with the NM staffer and Kevin Falk and if you if you've seen the picture you know that they both have their hands on each other this is it was a wild picture. People that zoomed in on the people in the background, kind of gauging the reactions, was also really entertaining in itself. I'm not advocating for, you know, game melees or anything like this, but this to me was like, holy cow, it was one of the top images I've seen of the college football season. And I don't know what was said, and I'm sure that we're going to find out more about the details behind this who this AM staffer was, this guy that was wearing like a red t shirt or something, and why he was starting stuff. But my question was, how in the world? Did either of these guys have energy to throw down after this seven <laughs> overtime game? I don't know, but the guy who did it is a, I'm, the guy who hit Cragthorpe is a
1: piece of trash, and I don't care how that sounds. Cragthorpe has Parkinson's and is a legend, has been coached for years, and was a, he was a quarterbacks coach, and I think did stuff with the offensive coordinators at LSU. And the guy that did that is an absolute piece of trash. That like I, I that one, that one it definitely means too much.
0: Why would you try and start a fight with Kevin Falk? Well, Kevin Why Falk is try- still in shape. Oh my God, he great.
1: Kevin, That's Kevin Falk finished playing at LSU in 1997, I think, and I know that because they beat Alabama 27 to nothing that year. Kevin Falk is in great shape. What are, are you? Did you see the guy? I'm not saying it's in a bad way. He looked like you. He wasn't like a whoa, like a, whoa, whoa no, whoa, no, no, no. He, he was in shape too. He, he, he was, he was like a fit. White guy in khakis. I'm not saying you were khakis, but he was a thin white khakis. guy, and, and and like and and not you're a, you're a muscular dude. This guy was in shape, not Kevin Falk shape.
0: Would you pick a fight with Kevin Falk? Nope. I said whoa, 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 not to say that I am in the same physical specimen category that Kevin Falk is. You're not uh, skinny. former NFL running back. I this mean, guy was built for. This
1: guy was built to run half marathons. Yeah, that's you, true. All right, fair th- enough. Kevin Falk was built to, like, bench 330 and like, and then run a 4-4. I mean, I, I didn't mean that in a slight towards you at all because you're in phenomenal shape. This dude, well, I don't know what he was thinking about. I I get what, well, man, if I had that kind of confidence, actually, now that I think about it. Whew.
0: That's, that's yeah, that's what I was going to get to. There, is, so good. you don't think I have that kind of confidence to start a fight <laughs> with Kevin Falk?
1: <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. We will have a, at the Sports & Social event, Kevin well, I mean, Connor will fight Kevin Falk.
0: That true. would be the pay-per-view of the century. Yeah. Um, so the video, and if you saw the video after of Jimbo um, getting the news from said staffer, I don't know why, the staffer like, went up to Jimbo after and basically was like, yeah, I just started a fight with a couple people. And the look on Jimbo's face <laughs> yeah. was so great. Jimbo's goes from like smiling after this monumental win, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, what'd you do? Right. This is going to be a thing. Um, definitely make sure that you, you go and check that out. Uh, we've got I've got two five-star reviews to get to real quick. Um, I've got we've got one from last week that I just for whatever reason I I've, I skipped over and I apologize I apologize to you uh, Deuce canoe. We didn't <laughs> read this one last week, did we? I Deuce don't canoe. think so. With that yeah. name. Uh, AKA poop boat, or uh, blank yeah, boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blank boat. Uh, subject: buffet of SEC-related stats and humor. Bi-weekly pod with hot takes concerning Pineapple Jesus, Jordan Rogers, hair products, and off-field accomplishments of UCF. Uh, in honor, I've copied and pasted a review of Connor's favorite Orlando restaurant. Shoney's Good Cheap Breakfast and Brunch Buffet. I've never been there. Uh, the Shoney. Greens and Southern f- I've no yeah, I haven't been. Uh, I live on the north side, so it's a little bit, little bit different. Good cheap breakfast and brunch buffet. The greens and southern fried chicken are good, are good as well as the gumbo. Um, Was pleasantly surprised to see they have added a bar. Tito's and soda, only $4, and kids love the free Wi-Fi, giving it five stars for value. Uh, Keep up the good work, and sorry for the post-game drunk tweets. Geo, thank you, Geo. (laughs) That was something. Oh, my goodness. Um, And this last one is from uh, War O'Graw. Yeah, sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Subject, hilarious. The football takes are somewhat shallow, but I have laughed my butt off at work <laughs> listening to this show so many times. Keep up the great work. Go SEC. Well, shallow?
1: Do you listen to any of my stats, bro?
0: They're deep, man. They're deep. I'm Unreal. Uh, we're going to get super deep when we are recording a podcast in person this weekend. Yeah. On Wednesday. On Wednesday, we're going to preview a bunch of SEC championship stuff. We're also hopefully going to, maybe we're going to have multiple people on. Maybe we'll do that. Still trying to figure out what we're going to do yeah, in terms of interviews and stuff. Yeah, I, I keep you in the dark with some of this stuff. That's just because I'm like close yeah. to the best. You don't need me being close to a lot of celebrities. Yeah, we, we're gonna have a ton of content for you this week, though. We're excited for the rematch, the Kirby Sabin rematch. Follow us on Instagram at SDS. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the SDS pod, at C Marlar SDS, at CJ O'Gara. Coach O, I didn't say it last week. I, I don't know why. I forgot to say it. You're hopefully no longer sticky, and you are in the right state of mind to be he's able wearing, to give us. He's wearing a robe.
1: You look good oh. too. It's my robe. It's a little short on you.
2: It might need too much. Huh? You have a good day. Quit. Let's go to Whataburger.
1: All right, we're going to Whataburger. So we'll see you later. See you Wednesday.